0: Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our coming Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is taken from our epistle lesson, and it reads in this way from the first chapter of Colossians. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, I might say perceptible and imperceptible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Here ends our text. We were having a discussion as my son and daughter-in-law showed up with their kids this last week. Little Max, the baby, we were talking about, well, whose image does he bear? Some would say he looks like his mom. Others would say, even she would say, it looks like his dad. Quite honestly, I think he gets his good looks from his grandfather but there are two grandfathers, and so maybe it wasn't me. What does it mean to bear the image, to bear the image of another, the little child, perhaps the way in which they look? Perhaps it's disposition. We can see it in their character, their way of behaving, that perhaps we might say that there's a image that we see of their parents or of their grandfather. Perhaps another idea of an image, we might go back to that story of the Shroud of Turin. You have perhaps heard about that. It was believed that there was this vivification that took place of Christ, that when he came back to life again, that there was this glorious moment of energy, and it seared the image of Christ's face upon a shroud, a linen shroud, and that that was something that had been preserved throughout the ages so that it would be possible now from the shroud to actually see what the face of Christ might have looked like, an image. But when we as Christians talk about image, we want to bear in mind that God has actually called us to be the image Of Christ in the world and that is a difficult thing for us to understand because of course we know that the imperfections of our life make us into rather poor images of Christ but we do know this that Christ was the perfect image of his father that's how Paul begins this text he is the image of of the invisible god through him we are able to see what his father is like what his father believes what his father feels what his father thinks he is the image of the invisible god that image of christ was actually born by adam and eve prior to the fall When we talk about the image and what that means we know for one thing that they perfectly knew god and perfectly understood him that everything in their persons in their psyche in their knowledge was capable of being able to literally receive this and absorb this from god so that like say sunshine That would be reflected off of a mirror they actually reflected the very knowledge of who God was we also know that it penetrated into their natures so that everything that God wanted them to be they were and in this perfect state of husband and wife they experienced the blissful happiness that God intended for his creation that's what happens when you bear the image of Christ In the fall, however, the image of Christ was lost. It was broken. It was destroyed. And that loss of that image is what it is that we have received by our nature, from the natural man. And the destruction of our natures because of the loss of that image is great. The Apostle Paul goes on to say that this is what happens when one falls to that earthly nature. He calls it this earthly nature that is filled with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And he says, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. They became alienated from God. But the Apostle Paul puts it in a way which is a little different from the way that we think about that. They became alienated, Paul says, because he says men's deeds are evil, their minds became darkened. We put it this way. We think that bad boys do bad things. But the apostle is telling us that in great part, because of doing bad things, boys became bad. Their minds became evil because of their deeds. And there's a reason for this. Because the mind cannot accept the judgments of God, because we cannot bear virtue of our deeds, our deeds stand against us and our mind finds ways of being able to justify this. And when we justify it, our minds become darkened and in that darkened state, we become alienated from God. To bear the image of him who bore the image of God, we must go higher, rise higher. Our minds must be lifted up to who that God truly is. And Paul is enraptured in his description of who this God is with whom we have to deal with. He says that Jesus is the icon, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, that he is the one who has passed through death and now has come up as life. For him, by him, all things were created. Things on earth and things in heaven, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. Before the world even existed, he was there. And in him, all things hold together. Every molecule of the universe is held together by his almighty power. And he is the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That word fullness, pleroma, it is like if we talked about the entire universe. The pleroma of the universe is everything that's out there. And can you imagine taking that and putting it into one human being, The fullness of God is even greater, and it's in Him. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile all things, to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. There's the key words. Through His blood shed on the cross. St. Augustine, Augustine wrote in his confessions this beautiful praise of God. His words are like this, What art thou then, my God? What but the Lord God? For who is Lord but this Lord? And who is God save our God? Most highest, most good, most potent most omnipotent, most merciful, yet most just, most hidden, yet most present, most beautiful, yet most strong, stable, yet incomprehensible, unchangeable, yet all changing, never new, never old, all renewing and bringing age upon the proud and they know it not, ever working, ever at rest, still gathering, yet nothing lacking, supporting, filling, and overspreading, creating, nourishing, and maturing, seeking, and having all things. Thou lovest without passion, art jealous without anxiety, repentest yet grievous not, art angry yet serene, Changest thy works, thy purpose unchanged. Receivest again what thou findest, yet didst never lose. Never in need, yet rejoicing in gains. Never covetous, yet exacting usury. Thou receivest over and over, over and above, that thou mayest owe. And who hath aught that is not thine? Thou payest debts owing nothing, remittest debts, losing nothing. And what had I now said, my God, my life, my holy joy? Or what saith any man when he speaks of thee? Yet woe to him that speaketh not, since mute are even the most eloquent. The image of God can only be reborn in us through the blood of the cross. Paul writes in Colossians, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. We live in the midst of a world That we must realize cannot and will not ever be able to change paul writes in first corinthians i have written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people not at all meaning the people of the world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters in that case you would have to leave this world But now I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slanderer or a drunkard or a swindler With such a man do not even eat. The world is not going to change because in their minds their evil deeds must be justified. That is why they change their standards of morality to justify their actions. But in doing so, their mind becomes alienated from God. God becomes the bad guy and everything that he says and all that he does becomes foolishness to them. In such a state, Paul says, that the message of this cross, of this forgiveness that comes in the blood of Christ, this becomes foolishness to them. The word literally is it becomes moronical to them a moron believes that first corinthians 1 18 for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of god for it is written i will destroy the wisdom of the wise the intelligence of the intelligent i will frustrate where is the wise man where is the scholar where is the philosopher of this age? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. There is only one way to dispel the darkness and return humanity to fellowship with God and thereby to once again be able to bear his image. That is only made possible Through the blood of the cross. If evil deeds bring darkness, then we must remember that it is forgiveness that brings with it light. Paul says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. When were we washed? When were we sanctified? When were we justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. When we were baptized, every single time that we have received the Lord's Supper, we are washed in the blood of the Lamb. And in this complete and total and absolute, all-encompassing forgiveness that comes from God, this is the only way that we are able to have our minds cleansed and renewed. Paul writes in Colossians, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive in Christ. He forgave us all our sin, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So we have been called by God to bear the image of Christ. How do we do that? First, by putting to death, Paul says, what is and what belongs to our earthly nature. But then he tells us that it is by being cleansed in the blood of Christ that we thereby are able to clothe ourselves with the deeds that come to reflect this image of our Lord. What are those? Paul says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's the image. The image that comes through that forgiveness in the blood of Christ. And an image of Christ in us clothing ourselves with all those virtues that are given to us from him. Amen.